This is your podcast for all things refinishing. I'm Lane Ball with Zebras Before and After. Welcome to Season 4, Episode 7. Interviewing the Best of Category winners in the third annual International Zebra Golden Brush Awards continues. Today we chat with Jeanette Cougar with Vintage Roots Painted, who won Best Repurposed Piece. Jeanette discusses the art of repurposing. Susan with Little Lou Design shares a refinishing tip on choosing the right sanding grit. We'll find out what Molly with Savvy Looks, Karen with Castle Bay Lane Designs, and Christine with Driftwood Home Furniture are working on in their studios this week. On the beginner's bucket, Shelly with Basalt Mesa Studio answers this week's question, are some months better than others when selling furniture? Stay with us. We have the inspiration, fun, and community that will platform your day. One of the things we take pride in is providing opportunities to recognize talented refinishers. We believe our contest, weekly, monthly, quarterly, and annual, do just that. Today, we get to continue those efforts by chatting with Jeanette Cougar. Enjoy the interview. Hi, Jeanette. It's great to have you back on the podcast. How are you today? I'm great, Lane. How are you? I'm doing good. We're faring some uh, thunderstorms in the area, so I don't know. Uh, hopefully, it won't get too bad where you hear some booms in the, in the background. So we'll I love thunderstorms. I do, too. I do, too. Actually, it's funny that you said that. I love I love the rain and thunderstorms as long as it's not uh, damaging. But, yeah, they're they're pretty. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, plus, it's I, I love them this time of year because it means we're transitioning from winter into summer. Can't wait. <laughs> yeah, good sign. So for those of you who are new to the podcast and to the community, Jeanette was chosen as a finalist in our first ever spring zebra furniture flip in 2021. She was one of the three finalists who had to take their ugly duckling and turn it into a beautiful swan. And she did just that. All three of our finalists did a phenomenal job. If you want to see her piece, go to our website and click on the podcast tab, and we will have this piece as well as her best repurposed piece from the Golden Brush Awards featured. We will talk more about her GBA piece and the ins and outs of repurposing shortly. Um, but Jeanette, I just always like to talk uh, about location, weather, all that kind of stuff. So you live in Canada, north of Ontario? I'm in um, eastern Ontario. Uh, just north of Toronto, so it takes us about an hour and a half to get into the city. I'm in a little blink-and-you-miss-it town called Blackstock. <laughs> um, yeah, in the middle of a cornfield, really. Okay, mm-hmm. really important question. Do you have any stoplights there at all? No. Okay, yeah, then you're a blink. <laughs> yeah. That's the way it is in some of the southern towns. It's like, oh, wait a minute. Was that a town or was that just a community? What was that? Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I like those. I love those communities because they're, um, you know, they're just enjoyable. You get out into the country. Now you, I, I noticed you have in your IG highlights your home, and mm-hmm. it looks like you guys are on a beautiful piece of property. You have a lovely place. Um, how long have you been there? So this little box of a farmhouse was supposed to be a seven-year flip. Uh, if we're talking about repurposing things, this is our repurpose house. Um, but we have been here for 16 and a half years. Wow. Yeah. That's nice. So that's that's yeah. one of those, uh, that's that's a, a lengthy amount of time where you really sort of put your roots down. We're actually currently looking for a house a little bit closer to the city. We have more friends out there and we find ourselves driving a lot. So uh-huh. We're looking at for a house closer to the city, but um, with the real estate market as it is, it's been tough. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, it is tough. I mean, uh, a lot of folks are being are able to sell at a really nice price, but then you got to turn around and buy something at a yes. nice price. So it's hard yeah. to hard to to move up. Now, when you move, are you looking for something similar but just closer, or are you looking more for a neighborhood? Uh, so something similar. My husband has a construction company, so we need a bit of property to store um, trucks, trailers, tools, equipment. Yeah. So, are you from Canada? Born I am. My grandparents immigrated here from the Netherlands uh, before my mom was born. So, yeah. Oh, neat. It's 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 really uh, cool to know your ancestry. That's neat. Mm-hmm. So, are you guys experiencing hints of spring yet? <laughs> uh, today. Uh, it is 14 degrees. I don't know what that translates to in Fahrenheit, but yesterday it was minus eight and snowing and freezing rain. So spring has arrived as far as they tell us it's spring, but it doesn't feel like spring. <laughs> yeah, just on the calendars, right? That's right. So how long are your winters? Like how many months, generally speaking? Uh, usually end of November to Oh, usually this time of year we're starting to get some more hints of spring, but it's it's not warmed up at all here yet. So let's say we're in, well, tomorrow is, at least for our listeners, with respect to our recording, tomorrow is April. So April, will you see big changes that take place in April or will it be more like May? Usually the rule of thumb here is you can't really plant or put plants outside until the May long weekend. So May 24th, oh, wow. then, so then fear of frost is gone. Yeah, boy, that's that's a. Of course, I guess if you live there, you're used to it. That's just the way it is. Down yep. here, it's around tax season. They say not to plant anything uh, until after April fifteenth. So we are getting close to that. It, it's yeah. funny because yeah, I mean, it's funny because sometimes it gets so warm. I mean, you know, comparatively speaking, you know, in in uh, coming out of winter, that everybody just gets so excited and they start planting and then. They're like, oh, I think we'll be okay. I think we'll be okay. I don't think we have to wait till April 15th. And then typically that just doesn't work. You get excited, you plant stuff, and then all of a sudden here comes a hard freeze. <laughs> so you're mm-hmm. covering everything mm-hmm. up. Listen, I know folks are eager to hear you share about your repurposed bed that was actually a sideboard slash, I guess, credenza. Maybe I'm getting that wrong. Tell us, tell us about this winning piece. I mean, it was incredible, incredible transformation, which is why you won. Thank you. I actually was not expecting to win. Um, oh, because come on. That, now, why, that, now, why would you say that? Well, uh, well, we'll go into probably the story a little bit later, but this is actually a mid-century modern dresser. Oh, okay. So it's a dresser. Yeah, it is. It, it, it was a dresser. It's still being used as a dresser, yeah. uh, but just under a bed. Yeah. Yeah. So the story about this is this dresser was sitting in my garage for a long time. I got it from a restore and I actually wanted to do a fluted front on it. And uh, friends of ours um, from our church, they were thinking about doing foster care in their home and they actually live on the other side of the city. So they're quite a distance from us. They're in a a town called Mississauga Mm -hmm. and they live in a condo, a very small condo with two bedrooms and their daughter is now sharing a room uh, with a foster child. So we wanted to make this small room over into something a little bit more spacious that could fit two kids. Mm -hmm. So giving more floor floor space for play. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so we decided to lift the bed up and put the dresser underneath it. How did you come about though, picking this to incorporate into that? 
so I actually was on the hunt for a different dresser because I, I had plans for this one already and I just couldn't find something that would fit. And then my husband actually who helped or built a lot of the stuff around this dresser was going to just buy cabinets or make the whole dresser. So it's, um, I have a, a reel and it shows the inspiration pictures mm-hmm. um, and, and in the beginning. That. So so it's based off of a pottery barn bed that, that she found. And so he was just going to build the whole drawers, everything. And it was going to cost more than the pottery barn bed was going to be worth to make <laughs> it all. And so we were just standing there one day brainstorming. And I said, well, what about this dresser? Can we just build a bed around this dresser? And that's what ended up happening. It looks to me like I did see that really you were talking about. It's really good. Hopefully folks can go see that. It was uh, neat to see the process. And it was cool that you incorporated in your reel the the inspiration. So I guess just, just as we think through this or, you know, try to understand more about it, you could have just gone out and got a really just basic dresser. Did you use this because of this was more solid built and it was structurally good? Is that how your thought process was on that? So my thought process was actually that the drawers are a little bit inset from the dresser. So um, because this little girl would probably just jump off the side of the bed, I didn't want her to get hooked on any of the handles. Mm -hmm. And because of the way that the drawers are inset from the side of the bed, um, that's why we chose this one. Oh, yeah. Well, that's really thinking things through, isn't it? Goes with having kids. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. Wow, that's so cool. It's just, I think what's amazing is when you look at the original and then you look at what you came up with, it's just like there's no, it's funny because when you're looking at the photograph in detail, you're like, okay, that was that, that, wait a minute, was Mm -hmm. that? the same as that. I mean, you, you stripped off that decorative piece on the front of the MCM and was that decorative piece a drawer? Yes. Yeah. Okay. I got it. All right. That makes sense now. Uh, Wow. That's just, that's just amazing. You did a phenomenal job. I'm sure they were pretty happy with the results. Yes. They're still happy with it. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I'm sure the little girl is happy with it. She is, and she jumps off the side all the time instead of using the ladder. <laughs> yeah, and do they have their foster child? So not yet. They're Because their space is so small, they're limited to the ages that they can take in. So, yeah, um, yeah not yet, but yeah, they're ready. Right. Yeah, there's a lot of limitations to it, but that's that's such a uh, an amazing thing to do. We have several friends that uh, have uh, foster children and actually foster to adopt. Mm-hmm. And uh, but there, there is a process of tra- trying to make sure that your home is adequate with what you're going to receive for the child, and or whether it's siblings. We have yes. some friends that have um, or that are fostering a, a brother and sister, and actually have gone through the process to adopt. So it's just phenomenal. It's a difficult job for sure. Yeah, yeah, it really is. It's such a, a blessing for those kids and for the families. That's wonderful. Yes. Well, Jeanette, we want to spend some time talking about repurposing pieces. And I thought it made sense to do that by talking not only about your winning piece in the Golden Brush Awards, but also the piece you finished in the furniture flip in spring of 2021. It wasn't as extreme as this, but it definitely was dramatic. You took an old, I guess we sort of called it a hodgepodge of a piece, <laughs> and <laughs> transformed it into a beautiful Art Deco piece, and you put a ton of work into that as well, including 
pub vinyl, I believe, on the glass. Very creative. So that particular piece, it we called it a hodgepodge. If I recall, did, wasn't that somebody local who made that? many years ago? Well, that's what we thought. But since then, um, the Furniture Sisters in the, I think they're in Alberta or Saskatchewan, they contacted me with uh, the same piece. They said they found it on their Facebook marketplace. So it it must be a Canadian made piece of furniture. There were no tags or anything on that piece. So Mm -hmm. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. It almost, you know, it reminded me of some, I think we talked about this in some of our previous podcasts last year, but it looked like one of those pieces where somebody had bought it or had somebody had structurally made it and then they kept adding to it. Yes. (laughs) Yes. You're right. I, that's so interesting that there are more of those out there. It makes me wonder what the time period was and what the thinking was on that particular style, you know, because it was, I mean, I wonder what style it would have been classified as at that time. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Just hodgepodge. We'll go with hodgepodge, right? Yes. <laughs> I think you did this for a client as well, correct? Uh, right. So when I was entering the furniture flip, I actually did a contest amongst my followers, uh, my local followers, uh, to find the ugliest duckling. And so whether I was going to be in the furniture flip or not, I would still flip a piece of furniture for free. I would still do the contest amongst just my local. Yeah, so so this one won as the ugliest duckling that was sent to me in my area. So we redid that for her. Yeah, that was, that mm-hmm. was, uh, I remember when you did that, that was a really creative idea to incorporate sort of your own little contest to get help in finding the, the ugliest piece possible. And a piece <laughs> of furniture somebody already loved and wanted because it's hard <laughs> sometimes you find an ugly duckling and what if, you know, it doesn't sell and then you're still stuck with it yeah, <laughs> this exactly. way at home already. So, you know, as we were talking about repurpose, what do you think the hodgepodge piece was used for? Was it like a bureau? I mean, like a, uh, like an armoire type thing? So it actually on the top, it has like a little lift up lid and there is actually like a silverware, like a, a velvet lined silverware mm-hmm. cupboard on the top. So it was used in a kitchen or as dining hut. That's what it was made for. Is your client using it for the same thing or something a little bit different? Right. So before it came to me, she had it by the front door and it was just stuffed with like bins full of hats and mitts and shoes and stuff like that. And now it's back in the dining room. Mm, Okay. So it's kind of back to its original intention. Yes. Yeah. Well, it sure was beautiful. Uh, Definitely. Definitely on that. Now, would you say that repurposing a piece, you're just speaking of it generally, you know, when you repurpose a piece, do you start with what you want to end up with, like the bed piece and the GBAs, and then find something that will help you get there? It sounds like what you did with the bed. Or do you take an old piece and think through what you could turn it into? Um, well, I think it depends on the piece. I mean, always pieces speak for themselves. Halfway through, you can change direction because either something goes wrong or, yeah, it, it needs to change into something else uh, for a purpose or something like that. But yeah, yeah, so sometimes they start out with a plan in mind and sometimes it just turns into something else. Like if you have a drawer that's stuck, you know, and Mm -hmm. it comes out, lots of people have turned old hutches and stuff by removing the drawer and putting a shelf in into, 
you know, media centers so that they can put their, you know, box DVD player, whatever in there. It all depends. I've done bed benches in the past. You know, somebody gives you an old bed and you're like, oh, this is just an old bed. I could refinish it, but it's still an old, (laughs) you know, (laughs) ugly bed. There's so many different facets with refinishing, but repurposing is almost like a different level of creativity meaning you're really thinking outside the box and taking that, I mean, to take a piece from what it was originally designed for, to take it and, you know, to create it for something totally different. Like you were talking about um, benches from headboards. And I don't know, I've seen quite a few dressers into islands, uh, benches into swings, uh, dressers into apothecary pieces and, you know, on and on and on. Do you find yourself thinking in that way? Like when you get a piece and you were also talking about how sometimes it just unfolds as you're working on a piece, but do you look at it and go, Hmm, what could we turn this into? I love a home that is not cookie cutter. Um, Mm. And I think that's all part of this furniture refinishing business because any piece that you refinish or repurpose is different than anything that anyone else will ever own. And that, that's the lovely thing about this business. And when people buy the pieces or commission you to do the pieces, that's what they want. And, and for my own home, I love interesting things. You come into my home and I've got like cartwheels hanging on the wall because they're art. Somebody made them. They're beautiful just as they are. Uh, I love it when people hang printer trays on the wall. It's unique and interesting. Mm -hmm. Um, And so when I look at a piece, I think, well, what unique way can this fit into someone's home? Mm-hmm. that makes their home a place that's theirs full of things that they love. I, you know, that's a really good point. And I've always tried to emphasize this on the podcast that every single piece that all refinishers do are unique. And uh, I mean, ultimately somebody could mimic them. And I know that that's a, that's a form of flattery when, uh, when you see or an inspired by another refinisher and you try to create something similar to it, but it's still very, very unique. Even the piece that, you are creating that you were uh, creating from an inspiration is still unique and different. I just think it's an incredible industry that uh, we need to continue to uh, bring awareness to the world so that uh, folks can know, you know what, I don't have to go to a typical furniture store and buy something that uh, I may see in somebody else's home. I, and right. I can, you know, have that option to find something that really will make my home unique and something that somebody has worked on hard and just express themselves creatively and, and and now you have it in their home. Do you find more energy and excitement out of repurposing a piece or or does it just really doesn't matter as long as it's refinishing? I find more energy and excitement out of repurposing a piece, but it's more work. It, yeah. it really is more work. And sometimes that work pans out and sometimes it doesn't as far as if you're selling it again but it does keep the creative juices flowing so when you're reimagining something or you finally get to like for instance right now i booked so many custom dining room sets and i'm i'm never doing dining room sets again after this (laughs) (laughs) Uh, because they suck the life out of me really not i i love that you know they're for someone in they're heirloom pieces and they're going back and reliving a new life, but they're just, they don't light that fire in me. So, you know, something about repurposing a piece or 
doing something creatively different to a piece. Uh, it keeps that creativity flowing. Yeah, and, and it, it does make me excited about my job. So the, the dining room pieces that you have um, lined up to work on, are those, I suppose it's the table with the chairs and, and having yeah. to redo all that. Do you also get involved in upholstery? Simple upholstery, but no more than just recovering a seat or... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, No, I'm not sewing and... <laughs> No, that's not me. So, so no one contact you. No one needs to contact you about a uh, commission piece for uh, a dining room set. Nope, nope. <laughs> at, least, at least not in 2022. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I already said to my husband, this is the last. After this one, there, there are no more dining room sets. Well, and they take up so much space in the garage. Like, yeah. um, because my husband has a carpentry business, you know, I am lucky in the way that I have all the tools because he has all the tools and they don't, they're not in there all the time, but it is still a shared space. So his employees, they'll come in and drop stuff or, you know, Oh, I just have to cut this board. Well, I've got paint drying and they're, you know, using the oh. table saw. Oh, that's <laughs> and, <so good. laughs> right. It causes a little bit of friction in our house. And so a dining room set really takes over the whole garage and there's more chance of it getting damaged when it's here. We're going to take a quick break to hear from a friend of our sponsor. Hi, my name is Rachel Smith with Upcycled Smithery, and this podcast is sponsored by my friends at Zebra. I've been partial to Zebra paintbrushes for a couple years now, and that is because they give me the best overall finish on my pieces. The bristles are so soft and hold a ton of paint. I don't have to worry about harsh brush marks on my pieces with my Zebra brushes. They are well made, don't shed a ton of bristles, and are completely reusable. It's hard for me to choose a favorite, but I will say that I've been using my fan brush a lot lately. I like how it has a flat edge for cutting in, but it also fans out around furniture legs and rounded trim. If you haven't tried zebra brushes yet, I highly recommend. They are game changers and will not disappoint. Thank you for your kind words, Rachel. So what would you say is the biggest challenge when repurposing a piece? Because you just said it is a lot of hard work. Mm -hmm. um, and just for folks, because, you know, I know there's so many that are inspired by fellow refinishers. And when they see somebody do something like that, what you've done and also the other finalists in the GBAs, when they see those repurposed pieces, they're like, man, you know, I want to do that. I want to try that. But then there's always that, but... You know, do I have the ability, but do I have the creative right. talent, you know? So what would you say that is the biggest challenge that comes to repurposing? I think there's a meme or something going around that's like, wow, you're so good at that. You have so much natural talent. Well, it's not natural talent. It's practice. If you don't try something, you'll never get better at it. So try and start small. So you want to repurpose or change a bed and or a dresser into a bed, well, you know, start with a small bench, start with a headboard, see if mm -hmm. you can build, you know, a base. And even then you'll find out if you like to do that. And I think uh, Jen Talley says this all the time, start small. Like yeah. if, if you're going to paint a piece of furniture for the first time, grab something cheap and that doesn't matter and start small. And I think the same with repurposing starts small. Do you find that um, that a lot of times when you're, you know, when you end up with a repurposed piece, it's because the piece that you bought was in pretty rough shape? 
that it just lends itself to like you know say say that you get a dresser or any kind of piece but it's really damaged and you're and you're thinking maybe if i just gutted it <laughs> because it's so much work i could make right. this out of it sometimes i i had a dresser that was given to me for free and it was a really really old dresser um and basically they dropped it off and it fell apart like Oh, wow. it, like it wobbled itself. <laughs> <laughs> it couldn't um, handle that last trip. No, could it? <laughs> but like there were, you know, parts of that dresser that were really beautiful um, accent pieces, you know, the rounded old legs or clawed feet. Um, and I think I just took that dresser apart and turned it into all different things. So I think that Christmas, both my mother-in-law and my dad's wife, they both received, you know, drawer front signs. <laughs> um, we have a saying in, in Dutch, uh, it's eight smacklick, uh, which is like good eating. Um, yeah. And so they each got a Dutch sign for their kitchen. And I, I think the sides, the top I turned into like a Joanna Gaines, like laundry sign. So it, the whole dresser just came apart. I, I did. It didn't even. Yeah, it wasn't worth refinishing. So it just I used the parts of it. Yeah, that that is such a helpful and insightful uh, tip because a lot of times I think you know you look at a piece and it looks rough and you're like oh it's going to be too much work but but the the pieces are there or there's you know the the yeah. element itself is there that you can then take apart and use those pieces the way you've used them and uh, that's just phenomenal that's great anything for refinishers to consider when they decide to do a repurposed piece with respect to skill or with respect to tools i don't know <laughs> let me help you with my question a little bit better yeah. so most refinishers are let's just say if you've started out refinishing and you're you're really focused on getting your brushes your paint and your waxes or top coats and then you go find your pieces. I would assume you just even talking with your talking about your husband being mm -hmm. a contractor and you're working in the same shop, you shop, you have access to all kinds of tools. Mm -hmm. So I guess I was just thinking in terms of if you're going to do repurposing, then you're you're moving a little bit broader with respect to the work involved as you've mentioned and the really potentially the tools too. So mm -hmm. I guess they need to make sure that if they're going to repurpose, you're typically going to have structural changes to it, which would mean tools, right? Yes. Yeah. So uh, some simple saws, uh, a jigsaw is really good. Like I, I know a lot of us are changing the bottoms of dressers now, taking off the scroll parts to make them mm -hmm. a little bit more modern. And having a jigsaw will really help with that. You can do a lot with a circular saw. You don't need to have a table saw. So would you say the jigsaw would probably be the most important power tool to have? Yeah, as a starter tool, yes. Yeah. Okay. Any concerns that you have now? Do you get your husband to do most of these cuts or do you do them? You're like, okay, using the stuff, no, no big deal. The only saw I don't like is the table saw. <laughs> My husband actually when we were first married, had an accident with a table saw, and I've been nervous of it ever since. Actually, most of our married life, we've worked together in the garage, um, except for when our kids were maybe really young. So yeah, but yeah, he had an accident and he lost a few fingers. So w when it comes to the table saw, I, I, I can do it. 
<laughs> but if he's around, I prefer him too because he's a little bit more uh, competent. And when you're nervous, sometimes you make mistakes. So yeah, and I think too though, because uh, I, I have a good friend from college that he became a contractor and he lost a couple fingers from a table saw as well. And I think probably, you know, it's interesting that you said those that are experienced. Which is true, but I think a lot of people, a lot of times accidents happen from people who use them often and they just get, it's not that they get careless, they just get comfortable mm. and sometimes that leads to accidents. And so, mm-hmm. you know, you don't want to be too nervous because that obviously, like you said, that can lead to an accident as well. I think it's just being very, very cautious because there are a lot of safety things that you can do when using a table saw. But Yes. It is interesting. So many accidents do come from table saws. They're quite expensive too. So uh, I'm sure most people will be comforted to know that they can do a repurposed piece and not have to have a table saw. That is absolutely (laughs) true. Yes. Any new repurposed pieces coming down the pike or anything you're working on that's uh, repurposed? Not yet because I have some custom work. I actually tried to book myself in. Oh, hang on. So in a couple of weeks, I'll be working on a custom piece, which is a split vanity. Hmm. that'll become nightstands. We'll be sure to look out for those. Any repurposed projects that you would like to tackle that you haven't? I mean, you've thought, you know, I really like to do this, but I just haven't found the right piece for it yet. Yeah, so many. Uh, Some of it is because um, I'll need my husband's help and he doesn't want to do it. Um, I would really, really, really love to get an old piano and make a grand desk out of it. Oh, yeah. But to purchase and pick up a piano is not very easy, and it's, yeah, they're very heavy. So he has to be on board before I can do that because I can't lift it by myself. And a grand piano, I'd love to turn it on its side and make it into a bookshelf someday. Mm, Wow. We'll we'll have to see if if your repurposed dreams come true. Maybe. (laughs) (laughs) So it sounds like you're busy. So how is your business this year? Um, pretty good. I, like I said, I, I, last year, I think I was busier with custom work this year so far. I'm actually just caught up now on my custom work. We, we actually at the beginning of the year got COVID. So it put us a little bit behind, but Mm. so I'm just catching up and I'm hoping to do some more of my own creative work this year. I'm booking myself time to work on pieces. Yeah. So what would you say percentage you know, that you have in your business with respect to commission versus just, uh, you know, picking up your pieces and selling them? Uh, what's what's your percentage there? Uh, I would probably say that uh, more than 75% is commission work. Wow. That's all. That's quite a bit. That's incredible. It's too much, actually. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah it, it's great to know that you're going to have the income but it's it's difficult for creative because then you you lose a lot of the creative liberty when you give that over to a customer. Yeah. yeah, it is a bit. I guess it depends on what uh who you're working with and how much they want how much freedom they give you in the process, yes. but you're still constrained by what they like and don't like. That's right. Yep. Do you see yourself then kind of stepping away more over time uh, out of the commission work? Can you because the question is, can you say no when somebody calls? So like, like with the dining room sets, um, I have learned for myself that I don't like them. So so now I have turned away people with dining room sets. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard to say no because it's I still do need to work to 
help provide for the family. So it's hard to say no when someone says, you know, take my money, just do this. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so, but it, it, you still need to enjoy your job. So yeah, I get to hear you get a phone call and somebody on the other line saying, Hey, Jeanette, I have seen your beautiful work and I have a friend who you've done some custom work for. And I'd really like for you to refinish this piece that I have. And you're like, what is it? <laughs> they say, oh, it's yeah. a dining room suit. <laughs> no, yeah. <laughs> it's that easy for you now, isn't it? <laughs> um, oh, that's, that's funny. Well, Jeanette, I know, uh, you know, as refinishers, you're constantly working on pieces. And then there's these contests and events that are going on. And you always have to be strategic about what to participate in and what not to participate in. So how did you end up participating in the Golden Brush Awards for repurposed piece? Uh, so I wasn't going to actually enter my piece in this uh, competition, uh, not this particular piece. I had other pieces for other categories I was going to enter. Um, I wasn't really 100% happy with my photography. Um, when we did the install for this bedroom makeover, it was dusk by the time we were finished. And so the lighting isn't that great. The room isn't all the way clean. So you can that translates a little bit in the photograph. But a friend, uh, a, f a fellow refinisher, uh, Nadelle from Noodling Around, she messaged wow. me on Instagram and she really encouraged me to enter this piece. And she said, you know what, what's the harm in trying? And yes, yeah, so I just like to say thanks to Nadelle for her encouragement and her support. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, accolades to Nadelle. Nadelle, if you're listening, thanks for encouraging Jeanette to enter her for sure. <laughs> that's that's funny because we've heard a lot of that, you know, friends, refinishing friends, encouraging other refinishing friends to say, hey, you got to enter that end. And uh, so, so glad that you did. And it's so important to enter because it's uh, it gives you the opportunity to compete with others. Competition is healthy and it's good and it spurs us on. It challenges us uh, to work even harder mm -hmm. and it gives us an opportunity to do just that, to encourage one another, just as Nadelle did to you and so many others have with uh, each other. So we, yes. yeah. we look forward to our fourth annual uh, that we'll have at the uh, end of the year. So be yeah. uh, everyone be thinking about what you're going to enter or what you can't enter because there's plenty of time, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> we, mm -hmm. we won't rush the calendar. <laughs> we need to enjoy spring as it's coming on. Yes. Well, Jeanette, we got to know you in the Zebra Furniture Flip, as mentioned earlier, so it's good to talk to you again and see you continue to make waves in the industry. We look forward to keeping up with your work in 2022. Share your social media account so folks can look you up. Uh, it's Vintage Roots Painted on both uh, Instagram and Facebook. If I can just say it one more time, thank you guys so much for all that you do in this refinishing community. Um, you really are the best cheerleaders. And yeah, I think we all love you because of that. <laughs> oh, well, thank you. Thank you for saying that. It's, it's, uh, it's really encouraging to hear that. We're definitely privileged and honored to be able to support this community. So thank you. And I think a lot of, of what you're doing is drawing us all together um, more than we were before. Yeah, as, absolutely. As a community. Yeah. yeah. Thank and you so much. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's, we're just excited to be uh, to be able to support the community this way and continue to promote you guys.
Thank you so much. Congratulations again, Jeanette. It was a tough competition with a ton of incredible talent, so you should feel quite proud of your hard work. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Lane. Today's refinishing tip comes from Susan with Little Lou Designs. Hi, this is Susan from Little Lou Designs. I'm coming to you today with a tip on sandpaper. A question I'm asked often is how do you know what grit to use? So there are many different grits of sandpaper. The lower the number, the more coarse the grit and the more abrasive. The higher the number, the finer the grit and more of a polished, finished, um, smooth surface you would have. So if you had a piece of furniture that required you to get down multiple layers of paint or had some really deep scratches, um, or if you were looking to completely remove all the paint on an old piece of furniture and or finish um, or a stain and bring it down to the natural wood, you'd start with a coarse or heavy grit sandpaper, which would be between 60 and 100 grit. The medium grit sandpaper is usually between 100 and 150 grit. And then there's fine grit sandpaper, which is about 180 to 220 and higher. When you are starting with a coarse or heavy grit sandpaper, you always want to make sure to gradually work your way up to a fine grit sandpaper. You would never just start with a heavy grit and stop there because it would leave multiple marks and circles and a really not nice finish on your piece of furniture. So if you're starting with that coarse or heavy grit sandpaper to remove multiple coats of paint or heavy scratches, you would then want to gradually work your way to a medium grit sandpaper and then finish with a fine grit sandpaper. If you don't have a lot of scratches or multiple layers of paint to remove and you just want to remove the top shiny layer of paint or sealant on a piece of furniture, you would want to scuff sand. Scuff sand is important. You want to do that all the time whenever you're painting a piece of furniture. So to scuff sand, you would use a fine grit, which would be about 220. That just allows the paint to adhere to your piece of furniture much better than if you were to paint over a sealed surface. Oh, another time you would want to use a fine grit sandpaper is in between each coat of primer or paint. So if I put a coat of primer on, I will make sure to use a fine grit sandpaper about 220 in between coats paint again, and then do another fine grit sandpaper. So in between my coats of primer and my coats of paint. Hopefully these tips are helpful, particularly for a new furniture refinisher. And it was easy to understand. Thank you. Thank you, Susan. Sanding grits and knowing which to use and when can be confusing. Thanks for making it simple. It's time to hear what your refinishing friends are up to. Here are a few reporting on what they're working on in their studios this week. Hello, I'm Molly. I have a furniture flipping Instagram account called Savvy.Looks, where I like to take outdated or damaged secondhand furniture and give it a whole new life. This week, I've been working on a mid-century modern dresser that I got from Facebook Marketplace. I painted it all green using my favorite Zebra Palm Pro paintbrush and sealed with a Zebra fan brush. I applied a transfer to the wooden drawers, and now I'm going to add a rejuvenating wax to the insides of the drawers so that I can stage it, list it, and sell it for on Facebook Marketplace, and also make a YouTube video about it for my Savvy Looks YouTube channel. Thank you so much. Hi, this is Karen McBee with Castle Bay Lane Designs, and I have found a love for arched cabinets, and I recently found an add-on 
the marketplace that had two matching arched cabinets that were wood and all glass. And when I connected with the seller, he said, I have four of them. (laughs) So my shop is filled now with four of the same arched cabinets. And there was a lot of glass around the outsides and a wood frame. So I'm going to change it out a little bit and put some wood shelves and a wood back and make it more look like a rustic castle-like feel. If you check out my site, you can kind of see what i am been doing and it's been selling really well and I'm really enjoying it. Thank you for having these amazing brushes because it's the beauty tool for my pieces as the brushes for the makeup on my face. I'm so grateful for you. Thank you. Hello, this is Christine with Driftwood Home Furniture. I'm so excited to be here on Zebras Before and After to share a few projects I've got going on in my studio this week. The first is an antique buffet with a gorgeous earth tone, kind of clay-colored marble top that I initially thought looked a little outdated, but I think with the right color base, it could fit really well into a modern-day design aesthetic. So a few things I'll do to this piece will be to replace the hardware. The original poles don't really fit the scale of this large piece and I'll swap it out with some found antique brass hardware that will still give it a vintage fill but will also add some elegance and will play off the gorgeous marble as well. I'll also paint the wood below but not quite settled on a color as of yet. I'm thinking a soft white or a linen tone. Another fun piece I'm working on is a hutch with arched glass doors and I'm so inspired by all the wood accents that furniture designers are using on furniture to add texture and interest without a ton of cost. My idea for this piece is to take these unfinished wood dowel rods that I found online. Um, I think a pack of 100 was around $18 for like a 36 inch rod. Um, I'll stain them in a few different colors and then I'll line them up vertically on the back inside of the hutch and then I'll paint the rest of this cabinet in a modern color that will help make the wood design pop. That's it. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to see more of my projects and the ones I've mentioned today, please check out my Instagram page at Driftwood Home Furniture. Thank you, friends. Listeners, make sure you go check out their social media feeds. Welcome to the Beginner's Bucket, a new segment this season that gives new refinishers an opportunity to ask questions from their more experienced refinishing friends. If you have a question that you would like answered, just send me an email at laneball at enjoyzebra.com and we'll ask an experienced refinisher and play the answer here on the podcast. This week's question comes from Mary Beth with San Jose Furniture Flip and the question is, are some months better than others for selling furniture? Shelly Luer with Basalt Mesa Studio answers her question. Great question, Mary Beth. I think probably the spring months, um, March, April, May, going into the early summer are great months for selling refinished furniture. I think coming out of the winter, people are looking for changes in their spaces. Plus, people are also moving into new spaces in the spring and, you know, over the summer. So looking for pieces to refinish, I I tend to lean towards dressers, um, nightstands, those kinds of things where people would be looking to replenish old spaces and refresh. And then going into the fall, I think that hutches, buffets, those kinds of items do really well. 
So with that in mind, looking for pieces to refinish, I usually choose pieces that uh, people will be looking for going into the next season. So that's what works for me, and um, I hope that helps. Have a great day. Thanks, Shelly, for your knowledge and insight into best times to sell furniture. How many times have you picked up an old piece of furniture and wondered what the history was? If only these pieces could talk, right? Well, some of you have been more inquisitive and taken the time to do some homework to find out more about a piece that you have refinished in its history. These are incredible stories that need to be shared. We have created a new segment on our podcast called If This Piece Could Talk. You'll enjoy hearing from your fellow refinishers talk about the history of a piece, whether it's about the style and how it developed, or maybe it's a sweet story about a piece of furniture built and designed for a loved one. We'll also talk to experts who will give us some insight on how to go about learning the history of a piece. As a side note, if you know the story on your piece and you think it's a perfect fit for this segment, send me an email at laneball at enjoyzebra.com. Stay tuned as we include these new segments in the upcoming podcast. Do I hear rain? Yes. And we are singing the blues with the Zebra Review the month of April with all the rain that typically falls getting the flowers ready for their beautiful display in May and June. With that said, lots of blues are on the docket to choose from for refinishing your pieces, hence our theme, Singing the Blues. Tag your blue pieces that were refinished from April 1st through April 30th, 2022 with hashtag the Zebra Review. Our five judges will be choosing three winners. Our judges are Jen of Perfectly Imperfect Furniture, Katie Cloud of Katie Cloud, Katie Scott of Salvage by K. Scott, Lauren Schwachina of Portland Rose Studio, and Sarah of Sitting Pretty Home Decor. Our sponsors this month include Lily Moon Paint, D. Lawless Hardware, Surf Prep Sanding, and Zebra Paintbrushes. Many of you have asked about the 2022 Spring Furniture Flip with host Jen Talley. Well, it really isn't too far away as it will begin in early May. So be on the lookout for your ugly ducklings because just like our fall flip, all of you can participate. We'll share more details next week. Stay tuned. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Zebras Before and After Furniture Refinishing Podcast. Today's episode, along with information about today's guest, is also featured on enjoyzebra.com under the podcast tab at the bottom. Your comments and suggestions for future episodes are always welcome, and we encourage you to share them by sending your emails to me at laneball at enjoyzebra.com. Thanks for listening, stay safe, and happy refinishing. 